Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazdeh. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. My name is Darius Mishazi. I'm flying solo for you, and today we are talking about resistance. <sighs> let with, let us fight the resistance. Um, so when I fly solo, I always like to talk about my biggest lessons learned in life. And I just read this amazing book, um, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And he talks, it's, first of all, a great book. We're going to talk about that towards the end of the show. But, but it really talks about this idea of how do you overcome resistance as an entrepreneur, as a creator. And um, and it got me thinking a lot about like, man, like, what is that? What's that voice in your head that stops you from achieving greatness? Because here at The Greatness Machine, we're about people living their passions and creating greatness in the world despite the odds. And I, and I really thought, I'm like, man, this, that is the, that the whole idea around that is this idea of overcoming resistance. So, so you're like, Darius, well, what's resistance? And I started thinking about, you know, resistance is that really that voice that says, you're not going to do that. Or that voice that says, you can't do that. Or that voice that says, this is our own self-doubt. Your voice that says, hmm, you're going to fail. Or that voice that says, that's not going to work. Or that voice that says, you're going to look like an asshole in front of all these people that know you. Or that voice that says that you're not meant to be good enough. You know, we get this monkey brain and, and that says these things to us. And I hope, hopefully you don't have it, but if you're human, chances are you do. And, and what I found was I've always been a person that kind of bucks that voice naturally. Now I have it. It's there. It's like it's chatter doesn't shut the fuck up. Sometimes I hear it over and over. And, but, but what was great about reading that book was I, I actually had a name for it. I was like, oh, that's resistance talking. And, and Stephen gives some really great examples of how do you overcome resistance? How do you think about it? But I, I thought about for myself, I said, you know, when was the first time I, I started to learn about my ability to overcome resistance? And, and, I, and I had this example that, that really stood out to me. So when I was, um, gosh, 14 years old, I, well, let me take back. When I was 10 years old, I started playing soccer 
10 and 9, 10 years old. And I played soccer all the way up to high school. And in high school, I, I played football for the first time uh, when I was 14. And, and that was in the fall season and winter season was soccer season. So I tried out for the soccer team, high school soccer team. No, no, mind you, I've been playing soccer at this point for five, six years of my life. So, and I was a pretty good soccer player and I got cut from the soccer team and I was, I was kind of bummed halfway bummed. Um, I didn't make the freshman soccer team. The reality was I just wasn't strong runner and I didn't make the team compared to these other kids who, you know, at high school at that point, you're like, it's, it's, it's not just, you know, there's, a, it's one team. There's not a bunch of teams as there is in youth soccer, but you know, behind the scenes, I had been wanting to try out for the wrestling team. And so I tried out for my wrestling team and I go and wrestling, there was no cuts. Everyone makes the team. Uh, the way wrestling works is real simple. Everyone makes the team, uh, because it's less popular of a sport. Um, but you got to wrestle off to actually get to wrestle on the team. Uh, outside of tournaments, if you want to wrestle, you know, with uh, on the team in duels, which is where you're wrestling other comp- uh, other uh, teams, other schools, you gotta you gotta wrestle off for it. So it's only the best person per grade that gets to actually wrestle um, when it comes to competitive wrestling. The rest of the time, you're just practicing. You're really just kind of like a, a dummy for other people to wrestle with. Um, so I start wrestling, and my high school where I grown up had a really rich tradition in wrestling. So there's a lot of kids that tried out for the wrestling team. Um, and I went out and I sucked. I was like, not good. I'd always wanted to wrestle for whatever reason I felt this calling to do it. But, um, so when I got cut from soccer, I didn't, wasn't super upset. I just went straight out for the wrestling team instead. And, um, and I joined and I wasn't good. And I mean, I, when I say not good, I mean, I just got beat up. I just was, didn't know how to do it. It it was, I watched like WWF and all these wrestling things when I was growing up. And this was very, very different competitive wrestling was super, super different. Uh, one reason was I was heavy for my size. I was kind of thick bones. I've always been kind of heavy person. Even now as an adult, you look at me, I've always looked like I weigh about 30 pounds lighter than I actually weigh. And that doesn't work very well when you're a wrestler because uh, you end up wrestling people that are like bigger than you. Um, but um, I, I started wrestling. I wasn't good. And I think my freshman or year in high school, I maybe won one or two matches and I lost about 10 of them. So I, uh, what's the word for it? I sucked. Um, I, I just kept doing it though. It was something I, you know, for whatever reason I felt called to do it. And uh, my sophomore season, I came back and I was better. Um, my best friend though was really good. And he made varsity our, our uh, sophomore year, and and I was frosh soft in JV, and 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 I got that point I started winning some matches, but I still wasn't super good. And he was really good. And in the off season, going into my junior year of high school, uh, the coaches pulled, had a meeting with all the up and coming, the guys that they really wanted to invest in, and they had him over for dinner, and they they wanted them to go to this camp in Minnesota called Jay Robinson's, which was put on by the uh, University of Minnesota. And it was this 28 day super intensive camp and they invited all their up and coming wrestlers who were younger underclassmen and they brought them to this meeting. Um, well, they didn't ask me if I, if I would come to this meeting and they asked my best friend as well as a few other kids that were my age, um, as well as older kids that were not yet seniors. And I was super offended. I was like, man, they don't see me as a real, uh, you know, option. They don't think, they don't think I'm good. And I've always had this deep, like, or if you tell me I can't do something, I talked about this in a, a experience a, a, in a solo a few weeks ago, where if you tell me I can't do something, which is what they were essentially doing at that moment by not inviting me, you're, you're telling me you're motivating me 10 times more. So I was the, one of the only people that said, well, I want to go, I'm going to go to this camp. Um, now for me to go to this camp was, it was a pain in the ass. Um, it was 1994. 
Um, I had to get an air flight to Minnesota. I had to save up the money. The camp cost $2,000 to go plus airfare. So I wanted to go. So I went to my parents and said, Hey, I want to go to this wrestling camp. I want to go to Jay Robinson's. And, um, they said, great, you got to earn half the money. And so I had to earn, I think it was a thousand bucks, maybe with airfare, 2000 with airfare for the whole thing. And which like, you know, in today's dollars, that's like four or $5,000. So, you know, that's, it was no small investment, but my family's like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta earn it. Now I grew up in an upper middle-class area. So a bunch of the kids that were on my team, like I was the only one that had, had to earn half the money to go. All the rest of the kids' parents just paid for them to go. Um, so I did what most people did. This is very different than 2023, uh, where there's a shortage of labor out there. Uh, there was no shortage of labor. Minimum wage in California at the time was $4 and 25 cents. And I, which was not a lot of money that that's like being paid eight bucks an hour now. Um, which just so we're clear, you can get a job at McDonald's for 14 bucks an hour right now. Uh, the reason I know this is because that's where I got my job. I got a job at McDonald's paying four twenty-five an hour. Uh, again, two thirds of what they pay now. Um, and you know, being a, you know, pimple faced 16 or four, uh, yeah, 16 at the time, 16 year old, they shove you in the back. So you work the grill, you don't work the front and you're cleaning, you're cooking, you're taking out the trash. That's my, your job essentially it's, it's manual menial labor. Um, and the job sucked. I hated it. Uh, but I had a goal and I wanted to go to J Robinson's and I needed 1200 bucks or a thousand bucks. And that was the only way I could get it. So I worked there for four months. I saved up my thousand bucks. I hated that job. I hated it. Now we're talking about resistance. So I'm going to get there in a second, but I overcame that resistance because I had somewhere I had to be. I, I need to go to this camp. I need the money for it. My parents weren't paying for it. That was the only job I could get at the time. So, so be it. Now, just to put into context, my brother had a job. He was, a, we worked at a car wash. So I was like, oh, I'd rather work at McDonald's than work at a car wash. But they both were, as you can see now, manual labor jobs. So I saved a thousand bucks up. I start training for this 28 day intensive camp and, uh, and I go get on a flight with my classmates and we go to Minneapolis and we stayed at the university of Minnesota and we get to the camp and there's about, I don't know, thousand kids or something like that. Maybe 500 of us. I can't remember how many of us there were probably called 500, it's probably, probably 500 kids from all over the United States that come to Jay Robinson's 28 day intensive wrestling camp. And it was put on by this former uh, army ranger jay robinson who was the head coach at university of minnesota uh they went on after i left that camp to become ncla champions he was a former olympian uh, this guy was a stud i mean a badass bunch of the coaches were essentially either former college wrestlers they were coaches at the university of minnesota or they were actual college like these are like ncaa division one all-american champions who are our coaches so we are surrounded by the elite of the elite when it comes to college wrestling in the United States. I mean, they are some of the toughest people on the planet. And, and we sat down in the stands on the first day and Jay Robinson said something to us. I'll never forget. He said, look to your left and look to your right. Now I'm 16. I'm this little like soft kid who grew up in upper middle-class Anaheim Hills, California. He says, look to your left, and look to your right. At 30, you aren't going to be here a week from now. And I didn't know what that meant. All I knew is some guy just told me that a week from now, a third of us aren't going to be here. And, um, I soon found out why <laughs> about 10 minutes after this meeting, they set us on the track and proceeded to torture us for two hours. And that became my way of life for the next, um, couple days, if you will. Um, it was, we'd wake up at six o'clock in the morning. 
and we would train till 10 o'clock at night. And they were, you trained, ate and slept. That's all you did. So about a day and a half into this being tortured, I mean, they're waking up, some of them, they're, they're just messing with us. So they modeled the thing after Ranger, or Ranger or Army Ranger School number one. But literally, I think the coaches got bonuses for trying to get us to quit, for getting us to quit. Like, I literally think they got money to do it because they were like just hazing these young, like kids range in age from probably 13 to 17. They're just torturing us and hazing us. Um, waking us up at three o'clock in the morning to take us to an alley in you know, in the college town, dinky town, which is where university of Minnesota is and just torturing us and make us run sprints for an hour and then go back to bed. Uh, literally like off schedule, get up at six o'clock in the morning, go, you know, do a buddy carry where you carried someone on your back for three miles and they carry you back. I mean, just like literally that was just the warm up. And then we had technique practice. Technique practice was an hour of conditioning, 20, 30 minutes of technique and, and 45 minutes of, of conditioning. And when I say conditioning, I'm talking army crawls, baby crawls, you know, crab crawls, you know, sprinting in an indoor football facility, a hundred yards, they call it hit the wall. We'd hit the wall. We'd have to sprint for a hundred yards, you know, the length of a football field, hit the wall, sprint a hundred yards back. And we would do those literally for 45 minutes straight. I mean, I mean, it was like nothing you've ever experienced before in your life. I I've never, I, if you told me I had to do it now as an adult, I'd tell you, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, so we're two days in that's, and by the way, that's technique. Hard practice is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, there's no technique and, and, and you're just wrestling and, and being conditioned. And then we would do dinner and then we come and we would have a night run, which was an hour and a half of them, you know, torturing us. And then we would have like a meditation <laughs> session, <laughs> visualization, and then we'd go to bed and that was day one. And Matt, so the camp's 28 days. The whole way my brain is lighting up saying, you cannot do this, Darius. This was the first time in my life I heard true resistance, true resistance telling me you can't do this. You're, you're done. Now, rewind back the tape a moment ago. I told you that the, some of the guys in my school went and none of them had to pay. And I grew up with some softies. And so right out of the gate, a day and a half, I mean, we're like two days into this thing. And two guys from my school were like, we're out. We're going. They're roommates. They're like, we're going home. Their parents said yes. They didn't question it. They came. They left literally two days in. And I saw within a week, a third of that camp bail. Like the, the, that, that, those stands that we were in, when he told us a third of us were going to leave, he was not wrong. A third of the kids left. They went home. They're like, we're not. They didn't know what they had signed up for. Now, my roommate at the time, who's my, my best friend from high school, Rich, he looks at me and we're roommates. And if your roommate leaves, man, I mean, you're first of all, you're getting tortured. Secondly, like you're, you're in a room with someone and they're going through torture too. And, and he looks at me, he's like, I don't think I can do this, man. And, and I said, Oh, you can't go home, man. Like we can't, we got to do, you know? And he's like, cause I'm like, I don't think I can do this. Resistance was there. He's telling me you can't do this. Resistance was in his, his head too. And he was tough. This guy was not weak. We were not just like, we were, we just didn't know what we'd signed up for and, um, calls his dad and his dad yeah, says, dad, I don't think I can do this. Now, mind you, Rich's dad paid for him to go. He didn't have to earn the money to go to the camp. Um, so, you know, his dad was letting him off the hook, but his dad said, look, just give it get to the end of the week. And if you still want to come home, then, you know, I'll let you come home. And so I call up my mom just to see if I could get the same moral support that Rich got. <laughs> 
<laughs> and um, my mom doesn't fuck around, man. Uh, this isn't going to be PC what she said to me, but my mom's tough. She's an old Italian lady from, you know, rural Pennsylvania, right outside Pittsburgh. And um, I, said, I said, mom, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can make it. You know, resistance was loud in my head at that moment. I was giving up. I was quitting. Now, mind you, let's take a step back. I worked my ass off for four months doing a job I absolutely hated to save up $1,000. Worked 20 hours a week at McDonald's. Sucked. I hated that job. It's one of the worst jobs ever. I've had tons of bad jobs. I was literally probably, I don't know. The only other job I can say I hated more was doing construction demolition, having to clean, pick up glass with my hands and getting cut. <laughs> I mean, like, there's not a lot of jobs. I've had a lot of bad jobs. I've worked at gas stations. I've done tons of crappy jobs. That was the that was up there. As the, that was probably the second worst. The demo job was the worst. Um, so I had worked my ass off. And, and I get on the phone with my mom, and I said, Mom, I don't think I can do this. And she says, Darius, don't be a pussy. And I was like, my heart sank. And she's like, if you come home early, you're paying for the whole camp. So I was like, fuck, I don't know what to do. Like, I, <laughs> I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. My mom just t- told me what was up. You know, she did not give me the out. And I look at Rich, I was like, please don't go home. I can't go home. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know, like, man, like I was definitely didn't, was not in shape enough for what they're having me do. But the best way to, to get yourself in shape is to do, is to do the thing that you're not in shape to do. You know, uh, I was 16. I was able-bodied. I, I was capable of, of, of making it happen, but I just didn't want to do it. Um, and, and so I, I stuck it out and we made it through the end of the week. Rich made it through the end of the week. And it was, it was interesting. We, 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 we hated it. It sucked, but it became our new norm and we, we got in better shape. And now this place, they were always leveling it up every five days. They had a thing called red flag day where they would destroy you. Literally. They would try to get people to quit. It was like, kind of like Navy SEALs buds where they're like, the coaches on the fifth day would torture you. Then you get a new coach, a new group of coaches that would, they would switch to coaching groups and the new set of coaches would come in and torture you. And, but on the fifth day was especially, it was like your hell week day. So it was the, every fifth day they would, they would torture us to a, to a new level. Um, and people are getting injured. I mean, it did not matter. Like, like this thing was no joke. Now the, the thing that set everyone apart is at the end, if you made it through the 28 days and you made it with enough accolades, you would get a t-shirt that said, I did it across the chest. It was black and yellow, um, uh, similar. I, this is like the army colors. And then you would have, it would say 28 days on the sleeve. And that was a badge of courage. Mind you, I should have mentioned this earlier when, when you go to wrestling tournaments, you see someone wearing that shirt, you're like, uh, that person's a fucking badass. I didn't even know what they'd done, but you knew they were a badass. So I, I really wanted one of those t-shirts because I wanted to wear it at, at the, um, at the tournaments, uh, the, the, you know, just to show that I could do it. I didn't realize what I had to do to get it though. Um, and so they were, there torturing the hell out of us. Like they, that, that, and, and there was something that I learned from Jay that goes to this idea of resistance. Jay said to us, he said, your body will quit. Excuse me. Your mind will quit before your body quits. Your mind will quit before your body quits. And I was, again, I was 16 years old. So this was one of the most valuable lessons I've ever learned in my life. That my body would quit, my, my, my mind would quit before my body would quit. And I saw it every day. So I would be in the middle of these workouts and my mind would quit. And I would just keep, be able to keep going. I mean, like sometimes for like hours, your mind will quit before your body quit. 
And so this became a thing that they chanted at us. They'd say to us constantly when they're torturing us, they'd say to us, your mind will quit before your body quits, push it, go. And we're like, you know, like then, then they'd push us. We would go like, I'd go way past my ability. I mean, I was quitting usually halfway into every workout, but then I kept, I finished the workout. So it was the first time in my life I saw this thing where my brain would say something, but my body would just could keep going mechanically. Like it knew what to do. And, and it was something that carried me through the camp. And on the 15th day of the camp, they do something really special there. Now, mind you, we train seven days a week. There's no day off. There's zero days off. You start on, I think we started July 1st and you went till the 28th of July, like 29th of July, like, like every day is an eight hours, 10 hours of working out. Um, no days off. Your body just is getting the shit beat out of it. And, um, on the 15th day though, when you're halfway through the camp, they do something special. You run 15 miles. Now, mind you, I'm a, I'm a shitty runner. I've always been a flat feet, bad knees, heavy for my weight <laughs> or I'm heavy for my size. So I don't have like long lean legs or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm a thick wrestler type of body type. Not a good runner. Mind you, I got cut from my wrestling team, from my soccer team because I was was not a good runner. So running 15 miles was no bueno. Um, and I did it. And I remember I ran the 15 miles and it was horrendous. It took me like three hours to do it. And my toes were like exploding. Like just to put it, like just to speak realistically, my toes literally exploded. I lost all my toenails. It was like gnarly what happened. I had to tape my feet up for the rest of the camp. Um, but I did this thing that I've never since I've never done it since, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> I, I know I can do it. I did it once. So I don't need to prove it to myself. Um, but my, my mind quit the whole goddamn run, a beautiful run ran on the Mississippi from Minneapolis to St. Paul and back. But my mind quit long, long before my body did. My body made it to the end. Why your mind will quit before your body quits. So, uh, you know, I could go, I could talk about wrestling all day long. It was, you know, podcast is a passion of my mind. Wrestling was the greatest passion I had for a very long time. When I was in high school, I was obsessed with it. And, um, and I ended up, you know, graduating through the program. I got 28 day shirt. I got to wear it. It was one of the, it was probably the physically the toughest thing I've ever done in my life. Changed me as a human being, but I learned that I could overcome whatever my brain had to say. I learned that I could overcome resistance. So um, if you're an entrepreneur, so when you're doing anything, when you're trying to create anything, your brain says, no, it's your monkey brain. It's protecting you. It wants homeostasis. It wants to keep you safe. Best way to keep you safe is don't put you in the risk of disappointment. Don't put you in the risk of not being able to accomplish. Don't put you in the risk of achieving. But if you want greatness, we need to overcome the resistance because our monkey brain is not how we are going to achieve greatness. It is how we are going to stay safe. And they're two different things. And there's a time and place for it where it makes sense. When you're walking towards the edge of a cliff, monkey brain, thank you for kicking in. When you're driving your car and you want to go to 200 miles an hour, yes, monkey brain, thank you for kicking in. I'm not going to do that. But when I want to do something like start a podcast or start a new business right now, I'm raising money for a private equity fund, new business. My monkey brain says, it's not going to work, but I know that it's lying to me to keep me safe. So I want you to think to yourself, am I overcoming my monkey brain or giving into it? Because your brain is going to keep you safe. Is that word resistance a something that's stopping you from doing what you know you can, or are you overcoming that because you know you can? You know that that's just resistance trying to stop you. And resistance is the enemy most of the time. So I encourage you to check out the War of Art by Steve Pressfield. I also love Can't Can't Hurt Me by Dave Goggins. Those are really, if you're struggling with resistance, those are two great books to help you overcome it. 
Um, and they've, those are, those were great reminders. I just read them both last month and they were great, great reminders for me of what I need to do to level up my game when resistance kicks in. So with that said, I wanted to share that little story with you. Um, more, more morsels of goodness to come from, uh, my soul is in the greatness machine and, um, hope you guys enjoyed it. With that said, peace out. We love you. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, Print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.